Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. We are being sent by, uh, in the same way that the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending you. All right. And so that's what we want to, to focus on over the next few months and kind of unpack and learn how to do that. And so uh, we're going to use a familiar verse today. I'm, I'm speaking on some obstacles, both this week and next week. We're going to talk about common obstacles. Whenever you go on a journey, there are obstacles. I'm going on a journey. As soon as I leave here, I'm going directly to Toronto, Canada. Um, and so because I have meetings all day tomorrow, doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> and then I have to drive home tomorrow night. Um, but between here and Canada, there's this big lake. <laughs> like here, so I gotta go over a bridge, and then there's these booths. Uh, there's obstacles of immigration, and I have to have all my paperwork, you know. There's obstacles, there's the driving, all the things that come up. <clears throat> uh, kind of a uh, mediocre image. <laughs> Whenever you go on a journey, there's gonna be obstacles in the way. And so this journey of getting out, the outward journey of reaching our community uh, with the message of God's truth and love uh, has obstacles. And we're going to use this parable, it's kind of an outline today, to talk about some of the common obstacles we face. So Jesus said <clears throat> this to uh, his followers. It says, Then he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. All right, so that familiar passage, which is a parable of uh, the sower, uh, is most often preached, and if you read it, you're thinking yourself, probably, as the ground, and that we have to get our ground ready. And so, and, and you know, and that's true, that's applicable, it's a good way to apply that. But Jesus was actually speaking to his disciples about sowing seeds. And so, we're going to... Uh, look at this passage, not as though Jesus was talking to the dirt, <laughs> but he was talking to the sowers. So Jesus commanded us to sow seed. He actually gave us instructions as to how to sow seeds, or these are some of the things that uh, <clears throat> we are going to encounter when we're sowing seeds. All right, so we're going to look at this familiar parable from a different perspective and read it as though it were instructions uh, for sowing seeds and some of the obstacles uh, we as, as, as spiritual farmers, I was looking forward to preaching this message down here. Because <laughs> you guys are more familiar, most of you, with uh, farming. And, and, the, and the, uh, you probably could preach this better than me. <clears throat> but it says the sower scattered seeds everywhere. And uh, the first obstacle that I see that we can learn from this is an unbiblical method of sowing the gospel seed. Right? And if you're like most Christians, if you're like me, you tend to try to be really careful 
about where you plant a seed for the gospel. You think about it a lot. And you think, maybe I can say this to that person. Or, or, or you're real sparing when, when, you, when you communicate something about Jesus. All right? Uh, and maybe it takes you a long time. But <clears throat> I brought a package of seeds. And, I, and you know, on a package of seed, it actually has instructions. So, did you know that? <laughs> Planting depth, one to one and a half inches. Uh, sow seeds two inches apart. Uh, in full sun, they'll grow to a height of 24 to 28 inches. When to plant? As soon as the soil can be worked. Maturation, 66 days. Well, there's all the information you need. God's given us information in Scripture about how to sow seed. All right? If you plant these seeds three inches deep, what's going to happen? They're not going to grow. The seed's going to rot, right? And here it says that he took the seed and he didn't like, oh, carefully, oh, where am I, where am I going to put this? No, he just threw it around. <laughs> Jim wants some. <laughs> the biblical. I'm sorry, Shanna, when you have the vacuum because these are big seeds. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this, this this idea, and I believe it's a biblical thing. When we when we think about sharing the truth and the love of Jesus, the message of Jesus, and talk about Jesus, we got to think about you know what we just got to get it out there. We just got to get it in the field. <clears throat> That's the sower's job. Get it in the field. Get it in the field. Uh, Jesus said in, the, in, the, in Mark's version of the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right? Every creature. Who should I preach to? Everyone. All right? If you're sitting somewhere or you're thinking about someone or you're getting together with some family or some friends, you don't need to pray, God, should I witness to this person? You just don't need to pray that. Okay? If you're praying, God, should I talk to this person about Jesus? The answer is yes. <laughs> God's in heaven going, yes, 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 yes. The right prayer is how should I share Jesus with this person? Never ask should I. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're... Flaming liberal, you know, anti-Jesus, anti-Christian. If they're Muslim, if they're Hindu, doesn't matter. If they're a Baptist, <laughs> if they're a Jew, it doesn't matter. If they're a creature, if they're living, preach to them. You can practice on trees, and and chairs, and tractors, but if it's a person. Preach to them. <clears throat> That's our commission. That's what we're called to do. And we're not responsible for the outcome. Last week when I was sharing up in Kalamazoo, someone said, oh, I just feel so guilty. Uh, one, when I, don't, when, I, when, I, when I don't say something <clears throat> or if I, if I say something wrong. And it's really the enemy that uses guilt and shame of not sharing or the fear of not doing something right. When Jesus has just called us, listen, man, be the light. Say something. Do something. And understand that uh, your part may be a very small part. In fact, the same person uh, shared that he was with a group of uh, co-workers, 
And they were all completely uh, atheist, and they were talking about uh, something, and it just, came, you know, the conversation came up to, you know, this, it's, just a, it's a crazy world, and how can all these things be happening? And, <clears throat> and, and not just political things, it was like they were talking about, um, I don't know, they were, they're, they're mathematicians and scientists, uh, pretty high-level intelligent guys. And he's like, the whole conversation, he just kind of got them to, to consider the possibility that maybe this universe actually has an order that's intentional. Um, and at first they were like, totally, no, it's just random coincidence of you know, evolution. And I was like, really? Don't you think that you know, given the wonder of how everything works, that maybe there was something ordering the the uh, the universe, and by the end, he said, by the end of the conversation, they actually they were actually like, yeah, yeah, that actually sounds reasonable. He said, but I, I feel like I should have gone further. I said, heck no, heaven no. <laughs> he got them to go one step. Right. When you're sharing the gospel, don't expect people to go 100. percent I mean, you can hope for that. But usually it takes, in fact, there's this thing called the Ingalls scale, which breaks it down in about 16, depending on the, the version that you look at, up to 16 or so different steps from someone who is anti-religion, uh, total atheist, to a fully uh, convinced, converted, uh, on-fire Christian. And so they're just little incremental steps. And your job might be just to get them to move from, just like this man up in Kalamazoo, got these people at the table to go, there's nothing out there other than random chance to, wait a minute, that doesn't make much sense. It's actually, it's, it's less of a, it's, it's more reasonable to believe that there is some force or influence that has brought order. We call that influence and force God. And we happen to know him by my name, right? But the fact that they are now considering there might be something, that's a huge step. And so <clears throat> your step may be just to pray for that person. I'm not saying you even have to, to communicate out loud something. We want to. You want to uh, find ways to communicate. But even if you're just praying, if you're conscious and say, God, you put this person in my life, I pray for them. Lord, open up a door. And if not me, open up a door that someone else, someone in their life, um, uh, can influence them uh, to the gospel. Spend, listen to this, spend more time talking to God about your friend or your family member than your family member or your friend about God. Yeah, that's good. Spend more time talking to God about them than talking to them about God. And when you do have the chance to talk to them or when someone else comes to talk to them, they're going to be more ready because you've done the work of intercession and you've prayed. <clears throat> All right? So unbiblical sewing method. Preach to everybody as much as you can. <clears throat> if you don't, don't be trapped in shame or fear. Uh, uh, start over the next day and say, how am I going to uh, be a witness? I have a friend. I don't do this, but <laughs> he challenges me every time I'm with him. <laughs> I don't like tracks. I don't know. I just have, I mean, they're good. The, the idea is good, but I've never been able to, to, to do it. But every time I'm with this guy, he's got a track. And everybody he meets, he gives a, a track to. Everybody. Waitresses, hotel clerks. Hey, can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? Oh, yes, sure, sir. Would you read this? And they just go, you know, that's just a great idea. I'm like, <laughs> I should be better at it. Pastors make lousy evangelists. <laughs> that's why I need you, okay? Uh, uh, 
so uh, you know, I do try, I do pray, I, I, I constantly, uh, and, and just about every situation, I'm like, how can I be a witness here? And maybe it's just being a good uh, a, a neighbor, maybe a good citizen, but you're looking for opportunity to sow a seed. Okay, obstacle number two is misunderstanding. <clears throat> when the uh, so I, I, we we read the parable, and now as I go through each one of these obstacles, I'm going to read where Jesus later in the chapter explains the parable to his disciples. And so he says, when any, because they came back to him and said, you know, what did that mean? And he's going through the list of each one. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. Okay, so <clears throat> where the birds come and, and snatch away. And so the, there's actually two obstacles in this verse. We're going to take the first one first, and that's if they don't understand. Uh, a lot of people don't get the gospel. They just don't see how it connects with their life. And if you're sharing the gospel with someone, or if you're trying to talk to them why you go to church, or why you read the Bible, why you believe in Jesus, and they don't understand it, don't feel uncomfortable. Because the Bible says that's what some people are going to, that's how some people are going to react. Okay, remember, we're, we're looking at this as sowing instruction. And so if that happens to you, things are not lost. It's just part of the process. All right? And we need to expect that. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. Jesus says it's impossible to see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. You can't even see it. You can be standing there. People were looking at Jesus himself and didn't get it. Saw him heal people. Heard Jesus speak these words and walked away. So I don't, I don't know what that guy's talking about. He's crazy, you know. So if it happened to Jesus, how more, how much more can it happen to us? All right. And so understanding that some people think the gospel is foolish, you know, they're just reacting in a biblical way. That shouldn't discourage you. That should encourage you. The Bible's true. It warns you of that. It prepares you. We need to keep that in mind. And understanding that people, their first reaction, second reaction, maybe even after years, they're still going to think it doesn't make any sense. I have a friend, one of my, one of my, one of my best friends in my life. I, he's been a friend since high school. And he's an atheist. He says he's an atheist until he gets into trouble. <laughs> you know. When it gets right down to it, he's just stubborn. Yeah. You know? And I, I know he's not far from the kingdom. And so I don't argue with him, but I look for opportunity, and I pray for him often. And we just need to understand this. And Paul says, I have become all things to all men, or in another translation it says, I try to find common ground that I, may, that I might by all means or any means save some. So our goal as sowers is to try to find something in common. Yeah. And I don't care how different some, a person is from you. You have something in common. You know why? Because you're a human and they're a human. And you have more in common than you have uncommon with them. Even if they grew up and the others... So Mitko comes here occasionally. 
uh, he's going to be here uh, again. Actually, we just set it up. I forget what it is. Uh, this, I think, in November or somewhere. I love Mick Cole. <clears throat> One of the reasons I love him, besides the fact that he always blows me away with some biblical truth I'd never seen before, is that he was born the same year I was in the Soviet Union. And I remember when the Soviet Union was the big bad guy. You know, and the, and the, now I have a friend that grew up the same time I was growing up on the other side of the planet in the oppressive Soviet Union. And, and now we, we have, the, of all the itinerant ministries that come in here, me and Mitko and, and Albania's wife, we just get together so well because we have so much in common. Just a coincidence. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It is awesome. That's how it works. And so if you, if you meet someone that's a Muslim, if you meet someone that's an atheist, you have a lot in common. Right. You know? But if I'd met Mitko when he was 17, you know, we wouldn't have anything in common. You know? It would seem... But after you get saved and I got saved, everything just changed. <clears throat> and so anyway, you find common ground and you look for common ground and in that common ground you sow the seeds. The third obstacle is the enemy. Um, uh, the evil one in another uh, gospel, it says Satan comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Uh, when someone doesn't understand what's communicated, it does make it easy for the enemy to come. But even sometimes, and I've, I've experienced this, it's really weird, when I've communicated some truth to an individual, whether it's uh, in the process of getting saved or in the process of them uh, walking out their salvation, when they're with me, when we're in the room, or you're in this room and I'm preaching the gospel, I got the thoughts all ordered out and communicating. People are like, yeah, 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 I get, I get it. I've been in offices with people, I'm like, this is what you need to do, this is what the Bible teaches, this is why it's best for you. And they go, yeah, I'm going to do it, that makes sense. And they, when they walk out of the room, it's like they walk out of the bubble. And as, and as soon as they walk out, like I hear, sometimes within hours, they've just made the total opposite decision. I'm like, how could this happen? I remember this one, one meeting with a group of people, and we were laughing and, and happy because they, there was this major breakthrough. <clears throat> and the very later that evening, like six or seven hours later, someone contacted me and said, have you heard? I'm like, what? They said, oh, they're just, they just said the most horrible things about you. I'm like, what do you mean? We, we were all in agreement. You know, it was about someone getting their life right, and they just, and I never, they, they, they never came back to church, you know. And so, <clears throat> the what, how, what dynamic is in there? There's another influence, right? right? Uh, Paul says that if our gospel is veiled or covered or hidden, it's veiled by those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we have a, an enemy that is active in this process. What process? The process of helping, of getting people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus, who disbelieve in God to believe in God, who have not committed their life to the Lord to commit their life to the Lord. And the enemy is active in this thing. Whenever you're witnessing, whenever you're encountering another person, especially in the context of sharing the love and the truth of Jesus to them, <clears throat> there's really four influences at play. There's you, so you bring all your stuff to the, in, to the table and, and interacting. <clears throat> and uh, there's the person you're sp speaking to, obviously, right? 
But then they have, then there's the enemy trying to influence them. The enemy's trying to influence you too. And then there's God who's influencing you, hopefully. You're submitted to them and trying to influence that person. So when you walk into an encounter, you need to be aware of this. All right? If you're planting seeds, you need to be aware that there are enemies. You know? uh, I remember when the Sand Hill Cranes first came back to Michigan. Like, like 10, 15 years ago, they weren't Sand Hill Cranes around here. They'd fly through and they wouldn't nest, right? And uh, <clears throat> now they're everywhere. Um, and I read some reports for whole fields, they'd sprout, and in one night, they're gone. And the farmer has to go out and replant. And so they, they had to change what they did to uh, you know, different things that they had to do. I forget all the answers, but they figured out ways to prevent the sandhill cranes. The sandhill cranes were enemies to the, to the farmer. And they had to figure out a way to prevent them from stealing the seed. Well, we have, you know, the enemy is a sandhill. Yeah. <laughs> They're beautiful birds, you got to admit. <laughs> uh, the enemy comes and, and, and steals. And so when you're planning, you know, if you're planting a, a garden, you need, maybe need to put up a fence to keep the deer out or the rabbits out. Our job is to shine the light and the image of God uh, to such a degree that it hopefully gets around or shines through the veil that the enemy is putting up. But you need to understand, this is really the main obstacle I wanted to talk about, is that we have an enemy at play in this gospel. Um, Too often, uh, we take this verse from Ephesians and think it only has to do with temptation in our life or uh, the struggle with the enemy is about maintaining your salvation. Let me give you a big, big clue as to how to live victorious as a Christian. Stop worrying about living victorious as a Christian and start reaching the world for the lost. All right? Start Realize that the fight with the enemy, your soul is secure in Christ through faith. All right? And when you engage in trying to win your neighbors, your loved ones, your enemies, the people in your community, all of a sudden the battle changes and you're on the offensive. Okay, And that gives you the advantage. Paul says, uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers and rulers in darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Some authors, some theologians believe that the three different words he uses here in the Greek, principalities, powers, and rulers, are actually three levels of demonic authority. Okay, just like you have, like you have the president, which is a national government, and then you have uh, the state governor, which would be state government, and then you have the local mayor. Uh, they're all government uh, authorities. They all have governmental powers, but they're different levels, different realms. And so he's kind of listing different levels that we're fighting, and then he wraps it all up. Says against a spiritual host, which means a multitude of spirit beings, spirit forces. And I actually believe that there are, uh, you know, spiritual 
entities, spiritual beings that we're at battle with, but those spiritual beings are manifest through uh, uh, psychological, sociological influences. So even if you understand them as uh, things like depression or things like economic uh, uh, downturns, things like that, those are enemies. Right. That the gospel is coming against those. Those are the. Uh, that, that's what we're wrestling against, and understanding that we have an enemy, and that uh, the response there from that chapter in Ephesians is that we need to take up the whole armor. All right. Again, we think of that verse just as we need to take up the armor so that we are not killed. <laughs> but you don't put on armor just to hide in the closet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hide in the bunker in armor. You put on armor to get out into the battle. All right. Uh, and he ends that chapter, and you can read through the, uh, I don't have time to preach through all the, the armor, but the, the conclusion of that, the reason we put on all those things, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, sword of the spirit, is praying with all prayer, so that part of overcoming the obstacle of the enemy is prayer. And supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. Now listen, again, understand this verse the way it was written. For all saints and for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So we always read that and think, this is Paul asking for prayer for him to have an opportunity to preach the gospel. But really, it's for all saints and for him to have the opportunity to witness the gospel. And that we are to be praying with all prayer and we are to be armored up so that we can be ready to uh, boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. So this whole chapter is about the outward journey. It's about getting the message out. It's about influencing our community, our neighbors, uh, our loved ones with uh, the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. And we have an enemy, but we have what it takes to overcome the enemy. God's given us every a tool that we need. All right, that's the big obstacle. Number four, <clears throat> there's six obstacles, so we're, almost, we're getting, getting a good way through. <laughs> uh, four is a stony place and no root. Uh, again, the explanation when Jesus elaborates on this to his disciples, he says, he who received the seed on stony place, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution, and in a different gospel, it adds temptation, arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So rather than, again, understanding this as the soil, if you are sowing seed and the ground is hard, what do you do? You guys are farmers. What do you do? You make it soft. What's that? Make it soft. Wait, listen. It's the music of heaven. <laughs> I like the musical background. I've been to a few preachers. Uh, uh, Joseph Garlington, you ever heard of Joseph Garlington? He's amazing, but he has his own musician uh, when he preaches. Yeah, great. Uh, I know. I, I can't think of his name. He travels with him wherever he goes. 
So the whole time he's preaching, he's, and he'll break into a song. It's great. <clears throat> anyway, I can't do that. <laughs> so yeah, we, you do something about the ground. Okay, Hosea, again, this is often read and, and applied just personally, and it's okay to apply it personally, but this prophecy in Hosea was, was prophesied to the people of Israel, the nation, to do this in their community. Sow to yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. And fallow ground is ground that's hardened because it's been unused. Right? And nothing fruitful will grow in it because it's, it's crusted over or it's covered in, 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 in weeds. And you need to break that up because it's, it hasn't been worked. And so we need to be aware of the condition of the soil. doesn't mean we don't scatter the seed. We're scattering the seeds. But when we have opportunity, we, we, we see the condition of the soil. And if it needs to be broken up, um, or if we need to wait until a crack opens up so that we can get a seed in, we're ready, we're doing that. And as I was preparing this, this thought came to me, the garbage of life can turn into fertilizer for the seed of the gospel, but it might take time. All right, let me explain this for a minute. A lot of Christians, a lot of good-intentioned people, see garbage in people's lives, and they want to rush in and clean up all the garbage and, and make their life better. And sometimes, you know what? You're not to do that. And I've had this a lot with, uh, <clears throat> with parents will come to me and their, their son or their daughter is making some horrible mistakes. Oh, what can I do to fix it? <clears throat> and I'm like, you know what you need to do? What, what, what? Nothing. What? If I don't do anything, then, then their life's going to fall apart. I, yeah, they, it, something needs to happen. So that they realize they need God. And if you just go in and make their life better, they're not going to need God. So I'm not saying it's always the case, but sometimes you got to let the garbage get turn into fertilizer. That's right. And when they get tired of the stench, right, then they're ready to make some change. And it takes wisdom. <clears throat> We need to be eager to sow with a view to righteousness. When it, and the view to righteousness is like, your goal is to see them come into right relationship with God. That's what righteousness means. Not just doing all the right things, but that they come into a relationship with God that changes them for the rest of their life, for eternity. I think this also means you need to be willing to dig in and get dirty. All right? To, to invest yourselves in other people's lives. And, and, and turning up the soil means that you, know, you get out there and do some work. And it may even mean doing some heavy lifting. If there's some stones, where I grew up, our field, we didn't do a lot of farming. We, we did some farming. Um, <clears throat> my dad had a hobby farm and raised all kinds of animals. But, you know, the ground grew stones. <laughs> and so every, we'd always go get the tractor and go out there, and me and my brothers would pick up stones. Every year there'd be more stones, you know, they'd come up. So, and then he'd build stuff with the stones, which is cool. But we need to get out there and move some of those stones. Uh, and sometimes the stones might be in our lives, the hard places that prevent us from uh, having common ground with the person that we're trying to interact with. All right, And sometimes the stones might be something in them that they need to get to the underlying issues. And that Healing and Restoration Workshop coming up next week will teach you about this, uh, those kind of things. Uh, so the goal is to get the root to grow deep. 
because you want something, a plant that grows, that bears fruit. We scatter the seed, but when we see some growth, we go and we help them, we nurture it uh, so that it grows. Fifth thing, fifth, uh, we're almost done. <clears throat> the cares of the world. Uh, it says, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard, got, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So if this is obstacle number five, the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life, how can we sow or plant or share the gospel in ways that has a better chance of seeing some mature fruit? I'm just going to ask you, what might we do differently or in addition if cares of the world Riches and the pleasures of life are going to choke out the message of the gospel. Luke's got a question. Answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I want you to think and respond. Yeah. The song "I Surrender." Mm-hmm. I think one of the key things to making sure is that we actually realize that when we come to Christ or we release them to Christ, that they understand it's not about them anymore; it's about Him. So, yeah, the surrender, and I like that. Uh, um, Luke was like, "We need to surrender, and we need to communicate that the gospel is surrender." Uh, and uh, and it's great to say, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's absolutely true, but that plan starts with your surrender <laughs> that you have to give Him your whole. The God, uh, salvation is free. But it costs you everything, you know. So explaining it right. Uh, anything else? I think part of that is being people of generosity, so giving away our riches and our pleasures. And Boom. We should be the leading example of that. Absolutely. And so overcoming these uh, choking points in our own lives by living in a way that demonstrates the opposite, okay? That you're not overcome with cares, that you're not choked with riches, you're generous, you're giving stuff away, and uh, you're not entangled with the pleasures of life. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun. God wants you to have fun and have a a fulfilling life, but you don't do it in a way that chokes out the gospel. Uh, So that's actually what I had. Minimize these issues in your own life. Yeah, Luke. Boom. Exactly. Make disciples. That's the next thing I had on the list, uh, which is somebody that has a long-term relationship and not just convincing them. We think evangelism, to use the word everybody hates, uh, or witnessing is convincing them of a truth, but it's really inviting them into a relationship. Okay? So when you invite somebody into a relationship, uh, it's, it's, it's a living thing, you know? You welcome them in. God welcomes and then you welcome them in and the relationship should grow. But yeah, make disciples. That's a long-term commitment. Paul uh, <clears throat> Paul says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Uh, and so that maybe doesn't mean preaching every book of the Bible, right? But getting the whole message and not selling it short, Okay. 
and, uh, and investing your life. Just like Jesus, we're being sent out as Jesus was sent out. Jesus was committed, man. He was here his whole life, day in and day out, was about communicating the love and truth of God. And so we need to do that too in as a, a complete manner as we possibly can with the people that are willing to, to receive from us. It says, but he received, <clears throat> the next part of the passage, he received the seed on the good ground as he who hears the word, understands it. And the other guy, and Luke it says, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, and indeed who bears fruit, produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. <clears throat> so we need to look for fruit as we're sowing the, 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 the seed that's good ground. And sometimes that good ground is the result of, of tilling, uh, of removing the stones, of keeping the, uh, the enemy away, uh, of, of weeding the garden, of the cares of the world and all that stuff, so that there's good ground and it produces fruit. <clears throat> but we need to understand that God judges, people judge from the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, and we're, we need to look for heart responses. Now, let me just explain this for a minute. Take, take the minute here and listen. Um, <clears throat> often, when we preach the gospel, we want, we want to see outward change immediately. And if we don't see enough outward change, we think that it's, the gospel has failed, or they're, just, they're, they're, they're unrepentant, and we write them off. Okay? But you know what? Heart change starts inwardly, and it works outward. And sometimes it takes a while. Uh, what kind of a parent would you be? What, what kind of parent would I have been if my kids, if they misbehaved the first time I kicked them out of the house? All right? I'd end up in jail. <laughs> All right? how, often, how many times do they, do they disobey? Well, over the 20, you know, you know, 18 to 20 years that they live in my house, I lose count, right? Do I still love them? Yes. Do I still minister to them? Yes. Okay. Uh, but what I'm looking for is to reach their heart. And so even when they misbehave, I respond in a way that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to minister to their heart. And if I minister to their heart, I'm not as worried about outward compliance as I am about reaching their heart. Because if you reach their heart, the outward compliance will come, and it will last forever. All right, And I think that's what this next, I'm just going to read through this last uh, um, <clears throat> parable. This is what follows the parable of a sower in Matthew, and I think it does this intentionally. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed, same theme, in his field. But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, or weeds, among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did we not sow good seed? Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to him, An enemy has done this. He understood what was going on. The servant says, Do you want us to go out and, and gather them up? And he said, No, at least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather the, together the tares and bind them into bundles and burn them, and then gather the wheat into my barn. And so I think that the last obstacle that I'm going to mention is the obstacle of impatience. Okay, Sometimes when we're planting seeds, weeds grow up in the midst of them. And sometimes you don't know, uh, and if you go in and try to uproot 
every little bad thing that's going on in somebody's life, uh, you may uproot some of the good too. And so you just need to hold off and let God be God. Keep sharing love. Keep loving on them. Keep believing uh, that God's going to be uh, there and be the one who uh, causes growth. And that's exactly what it says in 1 Corinthians. I planted seed in your heart. Apollos watered. Apollos was another preacher in in Paul's day. Uh, But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is God makes the seed grow. And we want us in this journey... Uh, each and every one of us to be uh, to be able to appear before the Lord when we meet Him, and not only give account for our lives, but don't you want to be able to stand before Jesus and have Jesus say, "Look at all the people that you influence," and because of your life, uh, because of your testimony, because of the way you lived, all these people are going to spend eternity with you and, and with me in heaven. Don't you want that? You know, let's go and let's ask the Father to make us good sowers. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, uh, Jesus, you said, uh, uh, the, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out harvesters. Yes. Lord, and so we want to be those that you send out. Yes. And we want to be better at this. And we confess that we're, we may be lousy at it. We may be inexperienced at it. Lord, but you've chosen us to be the witnesses in Cass County in this region and to our families and our friends wherever they live. And so, Father, I pray an impartation of uh, of the ability to not only sow seeds but bring it to maturity, Father, that you would uh, enable us, empower us. And I pray that everyone in this room has the privilege and the honor and the joy of actually seeing someone come into salvation within this next year. Lord, that uh, maybe more than one, but at least one, uh, that they can, they can celebrate and see that uh, they brought someone closer to you simply by the words that they say and the actions that they do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, guys, we have our prayer team.